This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. My turn, your turn, my turn again. So I started out here in northwest Iowa with unusually long pants kind of cool for summer. While by contrast, NOAA satellites and surface temperature monitors say that it is the hottest start not only to the month, but the hottest average temperatures on Earth in recorded history, which began in the 1850s. There are other means to measure historical temperatures that go back further, and they have found none warmer there either. Climate scientists have long predicted that one result of global warming was that the coolest temperatures in North America would be in the central heartland, with the south and coast catching the brunt of the heat. As I recorded this, the highs in Minnesota were in the 70s, while the highs in Texas were over 100 degrees. Scientists say these extremes are just getting started. Cornmill Heartland rainfall patterns have been predicated on the location of a ridge to the south, determining where ridge-riding thunderstorm systems track over its top, thus determining who gets rain and who doesn't. First of all, the available moisture reaching the Cornmill is limited due to the absence of a Bermuda High. It takes the right placement of the ridge to pull moisture from the Pacific into the central Corn Belt. Earlier in June, when the ridge was centered over Texas, New Mexico, it was pretty obvious who was getting rain and who was not. Here where we live, in about a 10-county area of northwestern Iowa, we got over 5 inches of rain from 5 different systems in June. We had previously recharged our subsoil moisture, leaving us in pretty good condition. I did something I had not done for many years, signed up for the National Corn Growers Association Corn Yield Contest. The plains also turned wet, so they did not have to water lawns in Garden City, Kansas. Ironically, drought-stricken wheat was now seeing rain impair harvest. Much of the northeast-central Corn Belt got almost nothing in June. Then the ridge moved to the lower Mississippi region, changing the location where ridge-riding systems brought rain. This allowed some much-needed moisture to reach some of the driest areas of the Corn Belt, while shorting moisture flow off for us. First tassels were noted here this weekend. Two-plus-inch rains saved the drought-stressed crops temporarily. They are a long ways from made, however, and will need more rain for good pollination and fill. July is the peak month for moisture usage for corn. What recent rain did was allow corn to pollinate, even if only 5 feet tall. Cooler temperatures are a significant benefit to these crops as well. Warmth returns later this month. Most forecast extreme heat is now limited to the Cotton Belt region. This should avert the Corn Belt crop from being a 2012-like disaster, but doesn't appear to have the saving power of a 1992. Illinois ratings will improve, but states that have gone backwards are Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Weather going forward will still determine how much trouble the corn market is in. USDA started off with placeholding record yields of 181.5 for corn and 52 bushel per acre for soybeans in their initial balance sheet workup. As things stand now, crop condition ratings are well below last year's, while the USDA's working yield is still far above last year's. USDA should bring yields down in this week's July WASDE report. The question should be by how much. The USDA has great latitude in how it can approach this, and the trade will be guessing what USDA will do. Previously, USDA projected a 2.257 billion bushel corn and 350 million bushel soybean 2023-24 carryovers. Quarterly stocks, acreage, and yields will all impact material changes that will have to be made. 
USDA says that farmers planted 2.1 million more acres of corn than they originally assumed, even assuming that this corn was planted late in marginal areas at 150 bushel per acre. It adds 350 million bushel per production. While there have been a lot of complaining about corn demand, stocks were nearly 150 million bushel below the average trade gas. More corn disappeared somewhere. That suggests that while they may tweak demand by category, feed ethanol exports, the net usage is adjusted for in the balance sheet for old crop. So if we start with last month's 2.257 billion bushel carryover estimate and add 315 million bushel to production from more acres, but subtract 150 million or less stocks, we get a 2.422 billion bushel carryover, an increase of 165 million bushel to a burdensome carryover. Now tell me what the yield is. We need to get back below 2 billion bushel carryover to support a modded price. That takes about a 5 bushel drop in yield or 176.5 bushel per acre yield to accomplish. USDA should take into account improved demand from lower prices. What this tells me is that even with increased acres, this crop needs to yield something to be bearish. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.